Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Geek Town Radio. I have with me a co-host we haven't seen since episode 33, I believe we looked it up earlier, and it is... Adam! Oh, lovely. (laughs) I'm here for five seconds and I'm already having the mickey taken out of me. Come round, it'll be great! gets an intro everybody i get my own particular one from good old is it hannah barbera hannah barbera yes yes yes. thank you very much and good to be back (laughs) there is a connection coming up with hannah barbera with the uh, interview this week as well so that's quite good okay um so yes it's lovely to have you back on um i know you've been incredibly busy recently with various things so what sort of things have you been up to recently uh life has just been a teeny weeny bit busy since episode 33 <laughs> uh, life has taken off uh well i moved house moved business and uh, i've been doing some really cool things and one of the cool things i was doing was actually doing a, a filming for a tv show for just a short period of time and that was really quite cool quite cool. appropriate they're using the captain caveman uh, <laughs> soundtrack or whatever you want to call it and that was really cool because I was working uh, with a TV crew teaching a TV presenter uh, caving skills. Cool. So I had a guy with me for six days and a film crew for six days and taking this guy underground, abseiling and basically doing waterfall escalating and uh, swimming through deep water. It was really cool. Nice. So it was a guy that came over from Holland, and I'm not permitted to uh, to reveal his name just yet because right. uh, it's all in the editing can, and it's all been put together. But I was really proud to be working with him. He worked really, really hard, and I was really proud to be working with uh, one of the, the top adventure film um, takers in the world, who's done a load of work with uh, some very famous British TV makers that uh, make iconic TV programs. So <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty cool experience to be doing top end stuff with top end people. Damn those NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, so that's cool. Yes. Um, so you've been out teaching caving to TV people. What in terms of stuff have, have you been watching? Oh, man. I have been on three or four different continents over the last 12 months. <laughs> oh, yes. So access to TV, well, even telecommunications of any kind was a bit limited. <laughs> 
I do remember one occasion I realised I hadn't got a signal on my phone for two weeks. So <laughs> that's how my life has been. Uh, so I actually sat down and scratched my head and thought, well, what actually have I been watching that has been uh, regular or enjoyable? Very little. Yeah. But the last big thing I saw at the cinema was the horrendous and horrific, and uh, it was a disappointment to wait so long for it, Independence Day 2. <laughs> I can't believe we waited 20 years for that nonsense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could get a child with a crayon set to come up with a better storyline with this thing. <laughs> 20 years, and they basically regurgitated the same plot, minus the funny bits. Yes, and minus Will Smith, who they killed off off-screen, which yeah. seemed like the most bizarre decision to make. I think he probably took an elective decision to keep out of that role. <laughs> quite, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> he might have looked at the script and gone, that's the same thing we did 20 years ago. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't need the paycheck, so maybe he, uh, he opted that, that well, That's wisely. also very true, yes. It was just a CGI horror, really. Yeah, yeah. I think the person who sat with the cinema in the cinema with me said it beautifully. Um, who's shooting at who, and why are they shooting at them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if, if if you can't get that across in a simple kind of Independence Day film, that's a problem because yeah. half of them are aliens. If you don't know who's shooting who at that yeah. point. And what what's going on now? It's a little bit upsetting, really. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so, that's not good. Plot hole gaps and yes. uh, a CGI fest. It was CGI on steroids, and yeah, I think they spent too much money on effects and not enough on storyline. Yeah, that's not like Hollywood at all, really. No, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Kill it with CGI. There we go. It'll be great. Yes. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> no. <laughs> Put some sugar on and then put some more CGI and the kids will love it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, they won't. In 10 years' time, they'll think, why did I like this? Yes, very true. So, yes, that's been your major thing. Any, anything else you've been... Uh, well, in, in terms of uh, watching TV programmes and things, I, I'm finding it very difficult to sit down and absorb TV programmes on a regular basis um, because I, I just don't have access to a TV a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, so what I am doing is I'm festing and binging on stuff from YouTube. Yes, good old YouTube. <laughs> that reliable source of all information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all I have been doing is sitting down and, and catching up, not only on the sci-fi, but on the pseudo-sci-fact TV programmes about um, alien abduction and uh, UFO observations. <laughs> and uh, when you start digging into that, I'm really kind of horrified why we haven't made contact yet or supposedly <laughs> that's been really cool yes and the, the latest program I watched with was Dan Aykroyd who I didn't realise was a, an aficionado on alien or ufology so that was pretty interesting neither did I but I can't say I'm overly surprised <laughs> yeah it's right up his main street really yeah. isn't it it's really cool so I have not been watching a lot of TV programmes catching the occasional film probably on international flights across the Atlantic here and there and, yeah. uh, but nothing really major springs out but the TV programmes have been watched Watching have been all based around so so-called science fact <laughs> around UFO discovery. Right. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, I've I've had a fairly busy week. I've um, arranged to have Geek Town Towers fitted with solar panels this week. Which awesome. Which because uh, you know it's nice to be eco, and I quite like the idea of when things are going at the moment not being connected quite as much to the grid so you know, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you know it's uh, actually surprisingly cheap to do i really really quite shocked how cheap it was to do the type of money you get back and you know 
there's a really interesting system in place. So, um, yeah, if, if anybody wants more information on that, just email us in on podcast at geekdown.co.uk. I can send you any information you want on that. But, um, yeah, solar panels, definitely worth looking at for if you've uh, if you've got a house. In terms of TV, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that some legislation hasn't been passed that all new builds should have solar panels mandatorily fixed to them. Well, yes. I don't get it. Given the fact that the the costs is so cheap these days, it, I don't know why it, it's not done more because you've got roof, you've got space. Yeah, and half know. the problem is the cost of fitting it. So fitting it whilst it's being built, job done. Exactly. And then yeah. we're putting power into the home, reducing carbon footprint, everything's happy. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a subject that really is quite important to me because my sister and my brother-in-law run um, an award-winning, internationally award-winning eco guest house, yes. which is decked out with solar panels and decked out with flushing water toilets from the rain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's quite important to me. So I can't see why we can't do this much easier and quicker than we're doing it. Yeah, no, exactly. So well done for you for getting on the solar panel train and sticking them all over your roof. Putting on top of your car. Yeah, yeah maybe not the car. <laughs> Big extension cable. But yeah, definitely worth looking at. It's worth doing. But yeah, as I say, if anybody wants more information on that, just uh, come to the website, find me a message, and uh, I will let you know the guys that I dealt with because they were really good. Um, TV-wise, Westworld started this week. Oh, that, that that looks pretty cool. I've got to be seeing that. That's a spin-off from the old Yul Brynner film, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a remake of the original um, Yul Brynner film where the Michael Crichton directed and wrote, actually, that one. That guy, um, Michael Crichton, has been around forever. Yeah, <laughs> he has, he has. Um, but yeah, so he it, it's basically a sort of version of Jurassic Park where it's androids rather than dinosaurs that are going wrong, essentially, is the is the sort of premise of it they've obviously got a tv series to do it so there's it's expanded a lot more they can do a lot more with it it doesn't follow exactly the plot of the film they look i think quite a lot more behind the scenes in this version than i remember them doing in the original movie so you know um but i saw the first episode of it there's a lot of people saying it's probably going to be hbo's biggest show since game of thrones and i think they could be right I would not be at all surprised. Let's face it, um, and the idea of Westworld, it, it's a big idea, and to put it into a small film, well, yeah, a big film in its time, but in, in a 90-minute to two-hour slot, that's a lot of potential storyline they're missing out on, a lot of potential characterization they're missing out on. Yeah. A lot of different th- thoughts about you know what it is to be human. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all of what it is to have a relationship. I think that's stuff that could be explored far more deeply in a TV series than it can in a 90-minute film. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. And they do it really well. I I think they're looking at a lot of kind of interesting things. Everything from the androids sort of starting to become seemingly sentient in some way to what do you do when the android breaks down? What do you do with them? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, do you just destroy them or or do you put them away in cold storage somewhere or, you know, so there's there's that as well, which is fascinating. There's some beautiful CGI work on it as well. And I'm not talking about the obvious CGI work. They did some amazing stuff with the actual actors, just tweaking some of the movements very, very slightly so it looks a little bit unnatural. Yeah. Um, the best CGI work is the subtle stuff that goes on in the background. It's, yeah. it's not the big explosion. It's, it's not the big dinosaur running in the background. It's, it's the stuff that makes it um, real. 
Yeah. Those little little tiny touches. Yeah. Uh, the, the the interesting thing with this CGI, of course, is is it's designed to make it look not real. Yeah. It's designed to take a perfectly good actor's performance and tweak it slightly so the jaw moves maybe slightly off yes. or you know, just little things they're tweaking to make it just look not quite right. Subtle animatronics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really cool. um, it's, and it's brilliantly done. There's some beautiful work on there and the story is really good. It looks like it knows where it's going, so I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing more of that. Yeah, hopefully um, people will look at it and go, "It's not about a western," and they'll <laughs> actually realise that it's 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 a bit more than that. It's it's humans and Jurassic Park mixed together. I think. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I've been watching that. That's well worth catching up on on Sky Atlantic if you've got it. Red Dwarf as well. We talked about this when it first came back a couple of weeks ago, but uh, new season of Red Dwarf is out. Really back on form really really back on form i think it's doing so well the jokes are, are there it's certainly the best series they've had since it came back on dave i would say it's been the best series they've had since the latter few of of the original bbc series oh, wow. weren't great as either so i i think they they really found their feet again so that's well worth catching up with i have to have a look at that i do i do like red dwarf i like that that strange british quirky comedy that yeah. uh, only the brits can carry off and yeah we seem to keep away from the, the super special effects and make the dodgy special effects part of the plot and part of the hilarity <laughs> yeah um, well there, there that's very true there is a thing this week uh, on the on the episode that went out this week where they sort of make fun of the fact that there is a robot in it that really looks like it's ripped out of a 1950s TV show but it's done intentionally like that there is a reason for that robot being yeah. that way let's make it naff yeah and make a joke out of it being yeah. naff so you know it's it's really good I'm I'm so happy that's back because I love those guys and they've got another season coming next year because they've already shot it so oh fantastic so that's something to look out for the other big thing which I, I kind of binged much watched my way through two seasons of which is only 20 episodes there are only 10 episodes each it was a show called Unreal which uh-huh. we mentioned we mentioned a few times on the show because Phil Eisler does the music for it um, and we've interviewed Phil a number of times I actually spoke quite recently to the um, costume designer for the show as well oh wow okay so Unreal it runs on Amazon Prime over here and it's basically behind the scenes of one of those big American dating shows like The Bachelor. Okay. It kind of takes a bunch of pretty evil producers <laughs> and watch them put a bunch of fame-seeking, vacuous people through hell. And it's what goes on behind the scenes and the drama that goes on in front of the camera and behind the camera. So things that go on with the suitors, how they manufacture situations to get certain things to happen and how they get bonuses for manufacturing certain situations. Of course. We're not saying that all TV producers are evil and nor are all people that are in reality (laughs) TV shows vapid. No, that's very good disclaimer there. (laughs) However, yeah, in this but, case, but not. yeah, in, in this case, I, and I should say it's written by Marty Knoxon, who's an ex um, Whedon alumni because she wrote oh. on Buffy and Angel. Uh, so Marty Knoxon and um, I can't remember the other lady's name, but she actually was a producer on The Bachelor. 
Oh, wow. And okay. a lot of the stories that have come out on, that, that they use in the show are things that they used and things that have happened. So you've got the unique, uh, an unique ability there of someone who's got real hands-on experience with that type of show yeah. and also the creative writing skills of someone who's worked with Weed. Exactly. That's going to be a good show. It's, it's brilliantly written. It's um, very dark in places as well. But totally worth looking at if you've got an Amazon um, subscription even if you don't think this is isn't your sort of show because it really I thought it's about a dating show it's not my sort of thing mm-hmm. I it's it's much darker than that that's just the setting it's a really well written drama and well worth watching so I, as I say I binge watched my way through two seasons of it okay well worth looking at um, so there's that uh, designated survivor seems to be doing fairly well we've mentioned this a few times this is the Kiefer Sutherland show which is running on Netflix over here where he becomes president after being the designated survivor and Conrad get blown up and we're on to I think the third episode now it's doing very well in the ratings in the US so worth picking up it's going out weekly on netflix over here netflix had done that with a number of shows recently another one that it's done recently is frequency which literally last night landed on netflix they netflix have this ability to not tell anybody when they buy something and then just go oh we bought this there you go oh did you put this down didn't we mention this before Yeah, um, so Frequency only started airing on the CW in in the US last week. And then it popped up on their Facebook feed yesterday going, we're streaming Frequency from now. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Oh, okay then. Right, I'm wondering what, where that was show was going to end up. It's almost like in TV uh, TV broadcasting land, somebody just pulls a big switch and clunk, it just happens, and there's yeah. no fanfare. Yeah, it just, no, and, and there isn't. It's now on that, our channel. <laughs> yeah, there really hasn't been. And they did the same thing with Designated Survivor. They they made no fanfare about it. They just went, oh, we we bought this by the way, and and you know we went, oh great, you know we're waiting for that show to come up. It's Keith and Sutherland for God's sake, you know. So. Um, yeah, keep selling frequency. Frequency being uh, the remake of the, the film uh, yeah. with Dennis Quaid. Yeah, the Dennis Quaid film, and uh, that it's it's basically the same kind of idea in that it's a cop in present day who finds a ham radio and discovers she's talking to her father who is in this case in 1996 wasn't 1996 so in the, the, the ham radio speaks through time back to decades yes, before basically oh, that's clever but as she talks to him it creates a bit of a butterfly effect because he had gotten shot and uh-huh. she mentions that he might get shot at this particular location right. so he takes some steps to avoid that but that then changes things in the future. Yes, so, so the, the future is in changing the past, and of course the past is then changing the future. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's it's very, very interesting. It's um, from a guy called Jeremy Carver, who is one of the lead the, the lead guys on Supernatural. Um, not actors, one of the lead behind-the-scene guys on right. Supernatural. Yeah. Uh, so... It, he knows kind of what he's doing with this kind of, you know, supernaturally type stuff. It's very well written. I really enjoyed the first episode. I'm looking forward to seeing a few more of it because you can go and watch that from like right now on Netflix. It is there if you want to go and see that. Other things I've been watching this week, Star Wars Rebels, which came back last week, I think. I've been catching up with that, which again is doing 
brilliantly well. Well worth watching if you're a Star Wars fan because it is part of the official Star Wars canon. I do wonder if you're going to see some of these characters pop up in Rogue One when that comes out mm. because they're a similar time period. So it wouldn't be entirely impossible for that to Taking happen. characters out of the bigger Star Wars universe and putting it into the kind of main timeline. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they they brought in uh, Thrawn, which was an extended universe character from earlier mm. books, and they've now brought him into the main show. So he's now officially part of canon again, which he wasn't before. They've also taken people like Princess Leia and other characters like Chewbacca and Yoda. Cool. They, they pop up in certain places. But... I do wonder if now they're going to start bringing some of the characters they invented for Rebels and actually moving those into some of the films, maybe. Oh, wow. So, because the whole thing potentially could cross over. They have done it, actually, with, I believe, the the Forrest Whitaker's character, I think, in the Rogue One movie, I think first appeared as an animated character on uh, Clone Wars, I believe. I would, so, I would pay money to stand in the room, which has got this timeline and story written down on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be like watching spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it probably would at this point. I mean, that was part of the reason they got rid of when Disney bought it. They got rid of all the extended universe stuff and said, okay, these are all canon. These are all part of the official timeline. This stuff all isn't. Because it had got like, you know, somebody yeah, just chucked it. balls of wool and then just mashed them all together. Yeah. It, so it got very confused. And I, I kind of get that because they want full control over it again mm. so big yeah. subject yeah yeah so uh, you know that makes perfect sense and they are now adding stuff back in from the extended universe but in a more controlled way which is great gaming wise mafia 3 i'm sorry who <laughs> <laughs> i saw not, the godfather 3 <laughs> you're not being a gamer but yes uh, mafia 3 is is uh, just been released on all platforms it's set in a version of 1950s new orleans it's very kind of grand theft auto in that you are you know driving cars around it's a big open world you can go and rob banks and chops and that sort of thing. There is a main plot line running through where you, you're basically being a Vietnam vet who comes back home, falls in with the wrong crowd, gets betrayed by some of the guys that he fall, falls in with, and then fights back to kind of take over the city, essentially. Okay. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a mafia. It's a gangster yeah. plot line. But they're really, really well written and really well put together. That main story works brilliantly. The mechanics seem to work well. Thankfully, the, the PC conversion worked amazingly well as well, which is something that doesn't happen a lot of the time. So, you know... Well, I'm as I'm over here in that. your abode uh, this next couple of days, I think it'd be really appropriate for you to actually put me in front of a computer game. Because <laughs> I have never played one. Well, that's not true. The last computer game I played was in 19... Hold on. <laughs> 1990, if it was college, which I think is where you're heading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. So how long? 1995? Possibly. 95, 96. And uh, we, we played uh, Disney's Aladdin on <laughs> on a very small cathode ray tube TV. <laughs> yes, using a... It's probably a SNES at that point, I think. I have no clue at all. It was either a SNES or a Mega Drive, I think. I think it was a Mega Drive. A long, that's the last time I can play the computer game. I Maybe. I think they may have improved a little bit since then. <laughs> Just a touch, yes. <laughs> Try some of those virtual reality goggles on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, well, seeing as you bring up Aladdin, there is one more little news story before we move on to the news proper. 
Disney are making a live-action version of Aladdin, which is no great surprise given that they've announced live-action... Well, they are in the process of releasing a live-action version of Beauty and the Beast. They've done Cinderella. They've done um, Maleficent. Yeah, so it's not a great shock that they've now decided that they're going to make Aladdin live-action. Right. They're also doing a live-action version of The Lion King, which is put <laughs> from John Favreau, which is basically not live action. It's basically all CGI because it has to be because there are no live action characters yeah. in it. Can we get that live action giraffe in there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, they are making that as well. So Aladdin was the next obvious one. Director. Director for the new live action Aladdin. Yes. Uh, Any ideas? I'm trying to think of the skill set you'd need to do that. I'm thinking musical, comedy. No, can't. Can't even think of anybody. Guy Ritchie. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Guy Ritchie. As in London gangster. Yeah, as, in, and as in Snatch and Lockstock. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> ex-husband of Madonna. Yes, ex-husband of Madonna. Maybe some of the musical stuff rubbed off on him, I don't know. He's but... either kept a secret in his little <laughs> wardrobe about being into live-action Disney comedies. Oh, he's doing it for the money. Well, I, I, I mean, obviously... I'm. I'm sure he's doing he's doing it because he loves Disney and you know I'm I'm sure he must be but he you know and I'm sure there's a big paycheck at the end of it and he has moved away from those East End kind of gangster stuff he's done yeah, yes. he's done Sherlock he's uh, got a King Arthur thing coming out at the moment um you know so he, he has done things which are more kind of youth friendly but this is a big step uh, yeah i mean you know everything he has done has had a, as a dark you know dirty tinge to it yeah uh, a lot of violence uh, a bit of tongue-in-cheek violence as well black comedies going on inside the plot yeah uh, and this is a hell of a step to aladdin yeah, yeah. aladdin <laughs> and, unless Disney... they're going to make that kind of dark and that kind well, of may, maybe but with all the others they've they've literally done live action versions you know they've done live action versions they kept the songs in right and the music was good with aladdin you kind of think ah, i don't know mm. it's weird it's it's just an odd choice for director for me maybe they're gonna have to take I a don't serious, step, him, and a serious step to the left maybe they have to take a serious because as you say the music was fantastic in the in the cartoon aladdin and of course you've got the robin williams you know that, how on earth can you match that that That's, is the other point that i i kind of hit was what do you do about that role? Because you've you've you either recast it, but would you want to be the actor taking on that part? No, I think I can't think of anybody who's got the chops for it. To be no, honest, no. So uh, maybe it's a case of abandon that approach. Uh, maybe maybe take maybe. it darker. Maybe that's why they've got the, Guy Ritchie involved. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, the the other option for me would be there must be hours and hours of Robin Williams mm. somewhere on tape doing that role. I hear tell they've released some of his uh, offcuts. So maybe, maybe you could recast him in it and Ooh. do that. With with essentially fresh material you've never heard. Yeah, put some bits of fresh material in, use some of the stuff that was there. If you are basically doing a live action version of what it was before, could you get away with doing that? That'd be, that'd be and cool. and maybe you get an impressionist to cover bits, uh, yeah. So it's an amalgamation of the two. I don't know. But there's still part of me going, Guy Ritchie, Robin Williams. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's <laughs> it's, it's like, weird. I don't know. 
Uh, yes, it's very strange. But yeah. Anyway, that I, I thought that was kind of interesting since you brought up Aladdin. <laughs> well, they do say that kind of the you know, the idea of um, of genius is to take two things and put them together in a way they've never been done before. So. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Okay, Robin Williams, Guy Ritchie, Aladdin. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Uh, I I just I know I wouldn't want to be the actor that's trying to take on that genie role. No. You know, I mean, I know they they recast the Joker after Heath Ledger, but it you know I think that role for a lot of kids is so iconic um, and so unique i i don't i don't know i don't know whether it whether anybody can you know if if, and if you're going to do another musical version of aladdin if you're going to do a live action version can you put anybody else in that role it's, i don't know yeah hmm. oh well good Tricky. luck with that good yeah luck with that. and on that note we shall move on to some film and tv news <laughs> TV and film news this week kicks off with a story about Humans, the TV show. Humans is due back on TV uh, later on this month, so it's coming up very soon. But uh, they've announced that to run alongside it, there is a documentary about AI being done by Gemma Chan, who... Okay plays the lead synth on Humans, humans TV yeah. show. It's a documentary where she goes and talks to various leaders in the field of AI and uh, robotics. Interesting idea, nice little companion piece. The big selling point for this is what they did was they built what they called a Gemabot. Gemabot. Are they, are they for sale? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's only the top off. So... <laughs> wrong, only wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's quite convincing. Really? <laughs> yes. I think it's just a nice idea that they're getting a, a star from a program which is based around AI going to research the, the possibilities and the steps that we've taken in the world yeah. of AI in reality. I think it's quite a nice spin on some you know dodgy TV presenter. Yeah. Well, that, this was sort of the point of it. And then what they said to her was, we basically like to record you recording all these lines, which are the things that they use to create the fake voices that you hear on you know, your mobile phone and Siri and all oh, that cool. sort of stuff. Yeah. So they recorded her doing that. Mm -hmm. They took full 3D body scans. They took moulds of, of her face and <laughs> created a new version and created basically a robot version of it. Excellent. So, um, or rather half a robot version of it. And then what they did was tried to fool journalists with it. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Not that anybody would fall for that. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so there's no air date yet for the AI documentary that is sort of accompanying humans, but humans, the actual TV show itself, back 30th of October at 9pm is the air date for that. So it's back at the end of the month. Uh, and that's second season is well worth looking at i'm going to see hopefully the first episode of it later on this week so oh wow you're going to see that yes where are you going to see that london <gasps> wow the big smoke yes all the way you down there all the way down to london to see that so hopefully i will uh, find out a bit more about that soon in other tv show news uh -huh. have you heard of 24 legacy this i, I new, have new yes. 24 version of 24 that's coming out minus Jack Bauer I believe minus Jack Bauer and he, at the moment Kiefer is basically saying he doesn't see himself appearing in it but certainly not anytime soon no. so um, he might not be back damn it but <laughs> <laughs> damn it but 
But um, they have announced that one of the other old cast is coming back, uh, Carlos Bernard, who plays Tony Almera in the show. Okay. So uh, he was a character who, he was actually in season one, was um, dating Jack's ex-wife, I seem to remember, ex-girlfriend oh, wow. in, the, in okay. the first season. Uh, he hung around for a while. He was, So he was sort of an antagonistic counter to yes. Jack in CTU. Um, they end up becoming friends. He apparently died in season five, then comes back in season seven, but as a villain working for a terrorist group. And then the last time we saw him, there was a little short that was on this season nine Blu-ray edition called 24 Solitary, which was about his life in prison, him trying to escape. Wow. So they followed this character kind of along at various points. Now, 24 Legacy is coming out, which uh, stars Corey Hawkins from The Walking Dead and Straight Outta Compton. Uh, he's playing this character called Eric Carter, who is a uh, former army ranger who has come back from a mission to kill a terrorist leader. He's now back on US soil and discovers that all his squad mates are being killed. So he goes to CTU for help and ends up wrapped up in this big terrorist plot. Okay. They've announced that Tony Almera is coming back, but not in any capacity of how he's going to come back, what his role is going to be, whether he's going to be helping, hindering, good guy, bad guy. He's just coming back. But he is coming back. So uh, With a gun. Yes, probably. <laughs> we, we know that. Got other new characters in the show. Uh, Miranda Otto is going to be playing the former head of CTU and his wife of a character called John Donovan, who is um, Jimmy Smith's who you'll know yeah, from yeah. Oh, Star, know Star Wars, Dexter, Sons of Anarchy, um, oh, West Wing. my generation, L.A. Law. Yes, L.A. Law for the older people among you. Um, he's a senator running for president. Teddy Sears is now playing the current head of CTU. He played Zoom in Flash, the new Flash series. Okay. Um, so he'll be known to quite a lot of people. There's a couple of other characters in there as well. But yeah, there's there's a really strong cast coming for that. They're kind of really hitting out hard for sounds, this. Sounds so like there's a lot cool. of stuff going on in there. There's officially no UK air date for it. Although if this doesn't end up on Sky One, somebody at Sky is going to be fired. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've had every single season of uh, 24, 24 since... Ooh, probably, probably since the first one, actually, because I think it originally went out on BBC, had it? It was yes. back in the days when BBC regularly bought, like... Good quality... Know, sorry, TV programmes. Uh, yeah. yeah, American <laughs> TV programmes, which they don't do anymore because it's a waste of licence fee money from their point of view. They generally don't don't buy shows, but the um, yeah, Sky have had it, I think, since... I think it's actually since the second season, second or third season. So I, I would be amazed if it goes anywhere else i'm just amazed that jack bauer's ex-wife dates jack bauer and then dates another ctu agent she needs to have some dating options uh well yes she needs to try tinder <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but she was an evil spy so oh, i remember now yes <laughs> <laughs> so you know you want to date within the ctu agents because you want that information um so, so yeah another bit of casting news that came out 
Sigourney Weaver is joining the Defenders. Well, the Defenders TV show, not... He's, she's not becoming one of the Defenders. She's joining the TV show, The Defenders. Yes, she's joining the TV show. She's not becoming a Defender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> correct. Um, so the, the Defenders is the group show which they've touted ever since they put Daredevil on Netflix. Right. Marvel had said there were going to be Daredevil, Jessica Jones, then Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then a Defender series. Oh, okay. Which has all four of them in it. We've got Iron Fist coming out next, and then... But we're, uh, not, we're not sure what Sigourney's role is in this? No, not at the moment. It, it's not been made clear what Sigourney Weaver is playing. It says it's a significant but unspecified role. I'm assuming it's probably a bad guy. That would be my gut instinct. She's very good, though, isn't she? She can play both roles really equally oh. well. She plays good guys and bad guys really well. She's a very good actress. I suspect she's probably playing one of the villains. But at the moment, they've not announced who that is. Whether that will change at some point, I'm sure somebody will do some digging and figure something out. It's, it's interesting picking a high-profile actress like that, whether you are going to see them move that character across into the movie world, maybe, at mm. some point. I don't know who this who the character is, but given the calibre of that actress, you do wonder whether they're maybe going to make the crossover. So yeah. I don't know. Because she's got a bit of screen pulling power for the big screen mm. as well. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting bit of casting that, but I thought that was quite good. I'm probably going for Eva actually thinking about it because yeah. she's an she's an older lady. She's yeah. six foot, therefore that means she has to be evil because only good, small, attractive women can be good. That's the way, <laughs> that's the way it works in Hollywood. In Hollywood, land. yes. In Hollywood yeah. land. <laughs> yes. No, that is very true. So um I, I suspect, well, I suspect she's probably playing the bad guy because you've already got four heroes on that show. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> why, why would you, unless she's playing somebody that brings them together somehow, but I don't think that'll be the case. An older, articulate woman who's a hero. <laughs> <can't have> that. <laughs> Definitely ridiculous. We've got this 19 year old bimbo over here. <laughs> so, yes, anyway, she's, um, she's popping up on, on um, Defenders, but in what role, we don't know. And another bit of casting news, final bit of casting news, Peter Weller is joining The Last Ship. Which, ah, Peter um, Weller. Yes. Robo Robocop. Cop. Yes. Known, n- known to certainly the older members of the audience as Robocop, I would say. Was Younger that, members might remember him from some other shows, but... Uh, I think that was one of the last films you and I went to see together, was Robocop, the, the kind of reboot. Oh, yes, probably was. That yeah, was the right? uh, with with um, your man from on TV. TV. Yes. <laughs> can't remember, can't man from remember. TV. No, um, Joel, Joel, Joel Kinnaman, the um, last DC film. Couldn't Suicide Squad. Ah, okay. He's cool. in Suicide Squad. It's quite a good film, actually. It was as good as the original, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the Robocop reboot. No, I, th- I thought they did a really good job with that. I thought yeah. it was really interesting. So Last Ship, which has just finished its third season, I think, on um, Sky. It's a drama about a virus that is released across the world, and they are the last ship that was tasked to go and find a cure for the virus. Okay. That sort of was the premise of it. They now kind of found a cure, and it's about building the... US back up and stopping war in China and you know so it's expanded into other things so this this is a Michael Bay TV series yes so this is Michael Bay and this is a storyline yes it does have a storyline I know it's amazing for Michael Bay I know 
For something the Michael Bay's hitting each other, are they? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, surprisingly, no robots hitting each other. Although, you know, may come up at some point. I wouldn't wouldn't put it past him. This is like a sort of a a human a human overview scientific program rather than just robots hitting each other. Yeah, yeah, no, there there is there is some thought in it. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's writing it. I think he's exact producing it, which is possibly why. The pony hasn't learned another trick then. No. (laughs) So Peter Weller is joining the show. He's landed a recurring role as Dr. Paul Velek, a world-renowned scientist in the genetic modification of plant biotechnology. So don't know much more about it than that, but Peter Weller is a great actor. He was on Dexter, he was on Sons of Anarchy, he's been on Longmire recently, he was on 24 at one point as well, I think. So he's been around quite a lot, but as Adam says, most people will know him, of our generation will know him as the original Robocop as well. So um, looking forward to, to seeing more of that, because I think it's, it's quite an entertaining show mm. he's a great face actor he really yeah. is good his facial expressions are fantastic yes he's brilliant. Can face he's got a fantastic voice as well yeah, yeah. really good so. dead or alive you're coming with me <laughs> and on that note i think we should move on to the interview for this week the interview this week is with composer greg Edmondson. he might not be a name that you know but uh, he started out his career working for Hannibal Barra. Uh, he joined up with composer Mike Post. Mike Post, again, is na- not a name I would expect you to know, but he wrote the theme and the music for shows such as The A-Team, oh, wow. Magnum P.I., NYPD Blue, Hill Street Blues, basically any TV show that had a theme that you remember, he wrote it. <laughs> wow, so, he, so he's an iconic theme tune writer then. Yes, okay. Rockford Files was the other big thing that he wrote as well. So Greg worked with him for quite a while. He then went on to score the animated series King of the Hill before landing a new series from a guy called Joss Whedon called <laughs> Firefly. Oh my god. <laughs> I've just realised that Greg Edmondson, the penny has dropped. <laughs> I've just realised, I've seen his name everywhere. Yes. He was a lovely, lovely guy to talk to. He comes from um, the sort of Southern America, so he's got this lovely, soft Texas kind of accent. He's a really, really nice guy. He's a huge Firefly fan as well. That's not to say just from working on it. He loved, loved the show. Well, I have to admit, I have the Firefly soundtrack, which is very unlike me. I don't buy soundtracks to TV series, at least alone TV series. And I will listen to that soundtrack and it just immediately conveys tons of emotion to me. So the guy's got a very good musical talent for conveying emotion very quickly through a few chords. Yeah. Very good. He was fantastic to talk to. We talk a lot about Firefly, obviously, and also Fox's interference with it. We also go on to talk about the uh, three Uncharted, games which were massive massive video games which he did the soundtracks for as well this is the interview with greg it's about 40 minutes long it was a bit longer than normal because hey it's it's the guy that wrote the music for firefly i'm going to talk to as long as i possibly can so so, uh yeah it's about 40 minutes long we'll see you afterwards with some air dates mother's day is around the corner Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, Greg. How are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing fine. Good, good. Thank you for coming on and talking to me. I'm very, very happy that you came on because I'm a huge fan of Firefly. So, and the Uncharted games as well, actually. So, I will tell you this: Firefly is is a great love of my life, <laughs> and, 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 and it was it was it was a, a difficult show to do because the time constraints were were really really tight. But never once when I came and sat down and turned on my monitor and saw especially the nine cast members. Yeah. I just said, I am so lucky. This is so great. You know, the only thing I was wrong about is, you know, when I got the gig, Josh gave me the two hour pilot, you know, to watch. And I went home and I watched it and I said, man, I'm working for 10 years, 10 years before I have to look for another gig. A little did I know it was closer to 10 episodes, but yeah. what do you yes, think it still hurts. <laughs> you, you know what? Can you imagine the money Fox would have made off their yeah. show? They have a show that 15 episodes is still alive. I went and spoke at a high school. about a month ago and they had me and a famous actress and a famous photographer and a famous sculptor but you know and i'm not famous but they were (laughs) and and when it was over you know when we all finished giving our little talk they just said okay let's do the q a now the only questions that anyone in the whole auditorium had were about firefly and uncharted and i thought (laughs) how weird and I'm talking to high school kids. Yeah. Uh, I guess they were born, but they were probably like four years old when Firefly was around, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Just go, how weird that it's a show that continues to find a new audience. I know. And then it, that is so unusual. God, that's unusual. Yeah, it's uh, it is, uh, and it's it's so loved by just everybody that's seen it. It's weird. One of the co-hosts, because we have a sort of rotating set of co-hosts on the podcast, and uh, one of the co-hosts had sort of flatly refused to watch it because he doesn't really do space sci-fi things. And I ended up buying him a copy, thereby obligating him to go and watch it. And he, I spoke to him last week, and he absolutely loves it. So <laughs> it's the polar opposite of most space sci-fi shows yeah and that was that was kind of joss's vision you know number one the but the the budget for the music did not give you a full orchestra yeah and the time constraints would would not have either so joss's whole vision was you know every every space show ever done you know when you cut to the the ship in space you know it's french horns going you know yeah yeah. and and his vision was like why don't we just do something completely the polar opposite you know so we used guitar dobros and fiddles on the space shots i actually love doing that it was it was just fun because it wasn't what people expected and that was really his, Joss's vision was to not give people what they expected. And yeah. he, he gave Fox what they didn't expect <laughs> because all Fox wanted was an action show. Yeah. They didn't. That, that's that's all they wanted. They just wanted an action show. And and he was giving them show, this show with moral conundrums, shifting yeah. allegiances, all the things that make it interesting because it's like how – people really are yeah and and sometimes they do the wrong thing but then in the long run you hope they do the right thing all of those things were so interesting you know that was 
what he gave them, which was so fantastic. And I, every time I think about it, I just go, if they had only hung on, yeah, yeah, they would have made billions of dollars because the fan base was already there. Josh brought the fan base with him, yeah, you know, but it's only grown exponentially. So, yeah, you know, it was, yeah. I, I, I'm betting there's somebody at Fox that was kicking themselves or who probably isn't at Fox anymore, I imagine. But The answer is yes, that, that's exactly. <laughs> but on the other hand, and here's how unfair the universe is sometimes, they failed upwardly because the DVDs have made them a, a whole bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, even though they shot themselves in the foot, you know, yeah. they, they still ended up making money on it. What yeah. I will never understand to this day because th 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 there were two people at Fox who just always hated the show. They hated everything about it. <laughs> and and I go, why? You know, Joss had already done Angel and Buffy, so they knew who he was. Yeah. Why didn't they just say, we don't know what to do with this. Good luck with it. And let's just work together on, on something in the future. Yeah. But they didn't. They picked up the show. Then they buried it. it here, here in the States, it aired on Friday night, sometimes really early. Yeah. You know, depending on what part, yeah. part of the country you were in. Yeah. And, and Friday nights, at least here in the States, is for, you know, the only people the who are watching TV are people who, who don't have a driver's license. They're still kids. Yeah. You know, and then they would, like, put this warning going, graphic violence, you know, like for, <laughs> for stories. And you kind of go, who's going to, you know, why would you do that? Why, why Friday night? But again, they really needed, but I, 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 I hate to say negative things, yeah. you know. About them because I've you know I've loved working with them in the past and I would love to work with them in the future. But in yeah. this one situation, you just go, boy, it just you know, of all the shows to kill, this was not the one to kill. Yeah, I mean you know, and and I think they did learn their lesson because I mean, Joss went back to them with Dollhouse a few years later after there'd been some staff changes and that sort of stuff, and mm -hmm. but it it wasn't. It, it, it wasn't Firefly. So, you know, and I mean, much as I love Dollhouse as well, it was a very different show and I you know, didn't have the same sort of traction that Firefly, I think, eventually got. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so, so I, and I think they tried with that. But so maybe they did start to learn. But yeah, it, it was such a shame. What Josh had done, because as soon as I saw the two hour pilot, which was very, very expensive. Yeah. I knew exactly what he had done because, you know, I've been hanging around TV for a while and nine main characters that all had these wildly divergent past. So you could actually do a show without repeating yourself. Yeah. And the story could go in so many different directions. Yeah. You know? I mean, when you have a one or two person show, it kind of becomes a one trick pony sometimes. But when you had nine characters, you could have done all kinds of stuff for you. That's why I thought 10 years. I thought 10 years. Yeah. I know, I know what he's done. He's created something that can go forever without repeating itself. Yeah. You know? And what a, what a work of genius that is. And, and he knew it too. Yeah. I mean, he, he, because he'd been hanging around TV and you know, writers have to come up with new episodes and they at some point kind of go, what can we do now? You know, yeah. we've done everything we can do. Yeah. And, and and then all of a sudden he just, you know, creates this amazing thing. 
how did you get involved with Firefly in the first place? What was the sort of approach? Okay, well, this will be an insane story. Go on. Josh wasn't taking calls from any agents. So everybody wanted to work with him. And they said, this was back before MP3s, so, you know, in websites so much. So they said, <laughs> we'll just send in a, a, a CD of mm. what you think would be appropriate for this show. Yeah. So, I, I mean, this being the entertainment business, about the time it hits the bottom of the, the mail bin, you know, you've already moved on, you know, because <laughs> you're not going to sit around and look at the phone and wait for it to ring. Yeah. And, and then I got, I got a call. And from and they said, hey, this is Joss Whedon's office. You know, would you be interested in a five minute meeting with Joss to talk about this new project of his? And I said, absolutely. And then after I got off the phone, I thought I am so screwed because I've never <laughs> seen an episode of Buffy. I've never seen an episode of Angel. And he's going to say, well, what'd you like about him? And I'm just going to say, well, there was so much. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> So I went for this this meeting with Joss, and we actually hit it off really, really good. So the 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 five minute meeting ended up being a couple of hours. Yeah. Just talking about fun stuff, you know, arguing about what's Jeff Beck's best tune, you know, stuff like <laughs> that, you know. And we just hit it off, and 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 I liked him a lot. He didn't ask me any of those questions. We just talked about stuff. And then when uh, when you know finally his people came and said, "You've got to get down to the set. Everybody's waiting on you." Yeah. And he just said, "Call your agent and tell him you got the gig." And when I walked <laughs> out, and when I walked out in the office, there was a wall of CDs. Wow. And I thought, and I and I looked at all the names, and I said, "Oh yeah, I know that guy. He's fantastic." And I know this guy, he's even better than the other guy. And I thought, how in the world did they, did they pick my CD? It was, it was like a miraculous occurrence. <laughs> how, how did they do that? But they did. So, you do, know, do you, and, and do how, you how, thankful, how thankful am I? But I did not know Josh. I had never worked with him. I didn't know <laughs> any of his people. I didn't, you know, it wow. just, somehow something about it spoke to them. And then I was kind of lucky because after I did Firefly and it got canceled they had a soundtrack cd and that spoke to the people who were doing the uncharted video game series which you know is the next 10 years yeah and uh, and, and so i've just been really really fortunate and lucky and honored that you know every now and then something speaks to somebody but i love doing the music to firefly it was so much fun and be, because he had he had designed this world with the nine characters, there's an there, there's an added component to it. He designed yeah. a world that's a little bit like the history of of America in the sense that if you were a Rockefeller or a Vanderbilt living in New York, yeah, you had different resources than if you were staking a claim in Missouri. So yeah. not only not only could he tell the stories of the nine main characters. But he'd created a world where you could have laser guns or six shooters. It yeah. all made sense depending on the story that you were telling. So the music all made sense depending on what you were looking at. He, you know, it was kind of a world where all the cultures were thrown together. So you could use all sorts of ethnic instrumentation. Yeah. Stand with other stuff. And it all made sense as long as it made sense with the picture. So how cool is that? Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing. And I mean, the um, whole Western thing sort of comes across in, in the music as well. It's, it's very kind of guitar based and bluegrass and and, uh, you know, that that sort of stuff, as well as having these other influences 
mixed in with it the sort of western and middle eastern influences kind of much together how did you end up with that well again i think that was joss's vision and most of the time and in television here anyway when they say let's do something that we've never heard before really what they mean is let's do the exact same thing we hear every week but maybe in a different key (laughs) joss actually had and again we were also limited by budget in other words i needed to have players that could play it live and which means i you know had a guitar had a fiddle, you know, had a had a woodwind guy, a piano player, a cello. But, but those were the limitations of what we could do. So I really just think it was it was the vision that that Joss had, and, and I just bought into it immediately. Yeah. And and I I really didn't try to do it western. It's just that those elements can sound western. Yeah. You know. And I think yeah. that's what Fox always hated about the show is they thought of it as a Western, but it really wasn't that. It was something far more complex than that. Yeah, yeah. The kind of Western elements in it. I mean, it, as you say, it is rather more than that. But but th- that whole kind of feel to it is something that I think a lot of people do love about it. The idea of of, of it being kind of a Western in space, I think, is, is sort of interesting and different, which I, I quite like. Because, But by the way, because it was a smaller score, yeah. What it what it did, it, it, you know, because when I did went on to Uncharted, those were all big orchestral scores. Yeah. And by the way, I had, I had the absolute luxury of uh, working at Abbey Road with your brilliant musicians, and they were so good. And <laughs> nice. Abbey Road, so much fun. But you know, I digress. <laughs> the, sm- the smaller score had kind of pulled you in because it was, you know, it didn't push you away by being too big. And really, th- that again was his vision of this this uh, crew on this ship just trying to make a living. Yeah. You know, and it was smaller in nature. And that was intentional. And uh, and so a more intimate score seemed to seemed to be the right call. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, the music fits so well with that show as well, uh, you know. The other thing is, is you, as, as well as having that sort of small musical score, you went for quite a lot of percussion for certain elements as well, such as the Reavers, which was kind of an interesting choice. Was that just to kind of make them come across more scary? You know what? I can't really remember exactly what I was thinking, but I thought the whole idea of the Reavers was so terrifying. I can't remember the actual line of dialogue. I think it was Zoe. Simon said, what will happen if they board the ship? And she said something along the lines of this. They will rape us, kill us, and sew our skin into into clothes. And if we're very, very lucky, they'll do it in that order. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought, what a great line of dialogue that is. Yeah, I just wanted to make them be scary. and and, But but I didn't, you know, you didn't want it to sound like a horror show. So you just, you know, it seemed like the percussion was the was the way to go there. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it works so well. And yeah, you're right. They they were meant to be this kind of really scary thing. I think that, uh, you know, and that comes across. I know you use guitars and that sort of stuff and uh, violas and, and, you know, traditional instruments. I I know there was some non-traditional instruments on that soundtrack as well. What sort of stuff were you using? I used all manner of ethnic instruments and, and, and my, my guitar guy and my woodwind guy. 
both just said, let's just stock up. And we ethnic instruments are a little tricky to use sometimes because they can't really do the same things that, that instruments that we're used to can do. So yeah. you never really know for sure. In other words, the, the, the range may be different. Sometimes you'll have a woodwind that can only play like, you know, four or five notes. It's better just to have a team of guys, which I had, that could get together and say, what instrument can we use to do this? So we used all manner of Chinese, banjos, you know, pipas, <laughs> deduke. One thing I found is that you don't have to be exactly dead on with the ethnic instrumentation. Mostly you just want it to say we're in an exotic place. Yeah. So introducing something exotic, you're not trying to make it be ethnic music because then they should just hire a band of people who do that. You're yeah. literally just trying to add something a little and I look at it a little bit like spice. It doesn't take much to just say we're in an we're we're, we're in an exotic environment. We're not in Kansas. Yeah. And so I pretty much used everything I could get my hands on, and, <laughs> you know, and the picture justified it, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, the picture justified it because you did, you had all these cultures thrown together. Everything made sense. Yeah. It was really a time of great fun and great experiment, you know, experimentation. Yeah. And I took what I learned from that and I carried it on and it's really become stylistically just something that I automatically do now because I love mixing ethnic instrumentation with a traditional orchestra and having all of those colors available to you. It just, it just is so cool. Yeah. I mean, it creates a, this, this wonderful kind of textured sound to it which is is just great you know and works so well like you say it works great with particularly with firefly because there is that whole um you know all those ethnicities thrown together and uh, the, one of my favorite inventions on any tv show is is the the mixture of the uh, the chinese in with the uh, the english so it allowed them to swear quite violently in chinese you know what it wasn't that wasn't that fun <laughs> it's just know, brilliant again again josh just knew he created a work of genius he you know for all the reasons we've already talked about but yeah exactly he said like, thought how can i have you know i'll just have him swear in chinese thank you very much nobody knew what they were saying yeah it was, it was fantastic i would love to know at this point in time how josh feels about that i know i know that it, it was such a great love of his and, when, and by the way when that show got canceled because i'm in post-production you know i'm i'm weeks behind everybody so you know they're yeah. through shooting they're through writing you know they give it to me i literally went in his office and 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 wept like a child because, because i knew i would move on to another gig yeah but i I knew that there would Firefly comes along once in a lifetime, and and I knew it would not be it would not be that gig. Yeah. Joss was kind of past the sadness and mourned the he was he was like angry, yeah, you know. But I just knew that that it was not going to come again. I would love to know his feelings now about about the, the show. I know what he set out to do, and I know that he he you can't do it any better than that. Yeah, yeah. So, and that, that was another thing that that, that happened is you, after they made the two hour pilot, which is what he needed in order to introduce the nine characters. Yeah. Here, Fox was running promos going the girl in a box and then they refused to show the two hour pilot. So it's like not only yeah. the promos confusing because they never showed the story. 
but they 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 told him to write a one hour episode. Yeah. And and, and introduce these nine characters, and you know you kind of go, you can't do that. It's 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 too many people. Yeah. But yeah. he did it. I mean, and 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 then Tim Minear, who 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 is yeah. So good. He he tried to do it in one of the episodes called Out of Gas. Yes, you know? yes. And I he remember. was trying he was trying to give some of the backstory that they had done in the two hour pilot, but not been able to show. So he was trying to say, here's who these people are. Here's why they're together. And, you know, just trying to give you the story. You know? Yeah. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's so weird. And I mean, you know, you, you think of what you know, a lot of the cast went on to do after that and, you know, come back to Fox kicking themselves. But I mean, you've got, you know, somebody who had one of the highest grossing Hollywood movies of all time directing. You've got a number of the leads have, have gone on to being in very successful TV series that have, have run for seven, eight, nine seasons or whatever. It was, it was such a great launchpad for quite a lot of them. And there was so much talent there that I, I just, it, it, it just kills me that Fox couldn't see it. Yeah, I, 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 I completely get it. I will say this, though, you know, I've heard, you know, I run into the actors periodically, different different ones of them, not all of them. Yeah. And they go, that gig for me gave me so much that I could do with that character, you know, and, they, you know, some of the guy like Adam Baldwin, he's the yeah. guy who played Jane. He's so good. He's so good. And he's a great dramatic actor, but his sense of, co- of comedic timing was just yeah. so fun. And it was so great. And the, the moral conundrum. So there was a show called Ariel where he had kind of uh, betrayed people. Yeah. And at the end of that show, I so love, you know, Mouse lets everybody else go upstairs and then he pushes, you know, yeah. Jane in, into the airlock. Into and the Jane airlock. thinks yeah, he's yeah. going to die. Yeah. But he says, please don't tell them what I did. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It, it It's just so beautifully written. The whole thing, you know, I... You know, when TV, you know, at least TV shows here, because they, you know, I've forgotten how many shows, you know, you know, at one point it was 26 episodes a year and then it became 22 episodes a year that they asked people to do. I can't remember exactly where this one fell. It was somewhere pretty close to the time they changed everything. Yeah. you start shooting in July, and this was back when shows went on the everything went on the air in September. Yeah. So Fox put it on the air, showed like one or two episodes, and then said, "By the way, we have the World Series, their baseball thing." Yeah. So we'll be back whenever the World Series is over. And you go, <laughs> that's no good. No. You know, you're trying to build something. You know, you can't. Yeah. You, you can't do that. They still do that, though. I mean, we it's one of the ongoing things we have here is we get a lot of people that come onto the website and they'll be complaining because a show's come back in the US and we haven't got it in the UK yet. And a lot of the time, the reason for that is because they have to leave a month or two month gap to take all the spacing out that the US has for things like, you know, the World Series comes on or, you know, your holidays are different to ours or, you know, so, so and, you know, you'll air two episodes, miss a week, air a third episode, miss two weeks, air another episode. So, you know, we get that quite a lot, but it, it pushes the the air date back for uh, for our stuff uh, but yeah when you're launching a new series it's a really schizophrenic way to to try and do it but fortunately that they, they don't do that religiously anymore i mean everybody yeah. did 
when, when Firefly was there. Now people find different launch dates and they, you know, look for an opportunity to, you know, I mean, you want people to see the show. You want them to be drawn in and then you want them to become, you know, regular viewers. Yeah. So they've kind of changed it since since then. But again, back then, where everything was go on and. In, uh, in in September, and yeah. Fox, of course, was the only network that had the World Series, so yeah. that was the one place that you you were going to bump up against it, and we, yeah. we happened to be there. So yeah. Um, before I came on here, I went on to to Reddit because there is a obviously there's a Firefly subreddit, and uh, I, I asked them if they had any questions for you. So I know you didn't ask me anything a few weeks back. I, think, I did, I did. And by the way, I was, I had a ball doing that. It was so much fun. <laughs> and, you yeah, know. They're, they're all great. And so I um I I went on and, and asked if they had any questions. So these were a few of the questions that came up from them. Uh, first one. Okay. Um, came from Theratashara. Does he need any session guitarists that can read music for can't read music for beans but are fairly creative? Obviously, the answer is no, but the guy can dream. But, but listen, well, we're not rule. Let's not rule the guy out. You know, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you never know. Things change sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking about the Uncharted score um, earlier. The you you did the first three. You didn't do the fourth one though, did you? No, I did not. This was from uh, Frankie G forty nine. Did you speak with Henry Jackson at all? Well the Uncharted 4 score was being done or uh, would you be willing to score an Uncharted movie if it ever happened? Of course, absolutely. I loved Uncharted. By the way, the connection between Uncharted and Firefly was the fact that, I don't know if you've ever played the Uncharted games. Yeah, I I have. I love the Uncharted games. I I played through them all fairly recently, actually, because I played through them all to prepare myself for the fourth one. So. Nathan Drake is not all that dissimilar from Mal Reynolds. No, that's true. In other words, they they have common personality traits. It's a different story. I get we have a completely yeah. different story, but they have you know Nathan Drake is the kind of guy just like Mal. There are things he can't say. One of the things I, that I was that I always loved about Mal Reynolds and Inara was that they never could tell each other that they loved each other, but they did. Yeah. Yeah, but they talked all around it. Those are such great opportunities for music, yeah. you know, to do stuff that, that you know because they couldn't say it. He couldn't say it, you know. Yeah. It was obvious. It was obvious how I felt, and yeah. and I, again, that's part of the complexity that Josh introduced into into that world. So I don't know. I'm kind of waxing uh, <laughs> nostalgic, really. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, uh, I loved, yes. I loved Uncharted. I know I never spoke with, uh, with with anybody. They did some they did some changes. Amy Hennig was the the person who created Uncharted. Right. And yeah. She, and she did the first three, and I did the first three. Yeah. And then there, there were some uh, changes at Naughty Dog, and yeah. she was not involved with the fourth one. And so I was not involved with the fourth one. Uh, but you okay. know what? I don't regret it at all. You know, I was very happy to do the first three, and I'm very proud of the work that we did. And uh, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's see. What else did we get? Sam Fram Dan uh, had three questions. Okay. Uh, number one, why doesn't you use more tuba? <laughs> I don't know why he wants to know that, but there you go. I use all kind of tuba. Hey, listen, Uncharted's loaded with low brass. Come on, man. <laughs> that's true. You know, there's, there's tubas, you know, chimbasa. 
load, lots of trombones, lots of euphoniums. There's all kinds of stuff there. But Owen Slade, who plays the tuba, is world famous. It was the only time in my whole life where I had to say, hey, Owen, could you back off a little bit? You yeah. Know? Because he literally, and he's this little skinny guy, he, he could literally just play the tuba so strong and so powerful that you just, <laughs> I had, had to say, you, you know, give me a little bit of space. He just was fantastic. And yeah. uh, so I've, I'm a fan of tuba too. I love low brass. <laughs> low brass, it is, it's everything. I mean, you know, nothing speaks like brass. I yeah. mean, wood, woodwinds can't really, they, they, they don't have the same power. Uh, and strings certainly don't have the same power. But boy, when you've got the whole brass section going yeah. and you've got the low brass guys kicking butt, I mean, that, that that's power. Hey, I'm with you. I, I, uh, although I haven't played for a very long time, I can play a trumpet. Uh, oh. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of high, high brass too, you know. <laughs> You know, yeah, and, and uh, we had we, we had great the brass section at Abbey Road, especially, yeah. was just so together and yeah. so amazing. I guess they just work together all the time, but they they really yeah. were absolutely brilliant and amazing. The first two Uncharted's were done at uh, George Lucas's facility in San Francisco, uh, it's yeah. called Skywalker Ranch. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God. Well, there's no experience like that on this planet. I mean, yeah. it was so, I mean, just the actual experience of being there and not <laughs> having to drive anywhere to get to the studio and being able just to walk through the flowers and the ducks to the studio wow. and, and, and get to work is really, it, it, it is absolutely fantastic. The first Uncharted was a smaller deal yeah. and the score wasn't as big. By the time we got to the number two, we were using eight French horns and a big brass section. And that's what we used at Abbey Road as well. So, you know, anyway, huge fan yeah. of tuba, huge fan <laughs> of the low brass. When you're trying to communicate with them, you can always say it in Italian, you know, fortissimo, but it's <laughs> So much, it's so much more fun when you just go, hey, guys, spank it. And they know exactly what you're talking about. They go, oh, you got it. Here it comes. You know, they just made it so much fun. So Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What else we got? The, the second question was, what effort did you take to incorporate Chinese themes and instrumentation into the soundtrack? We may have covered that a bit already, though, anyway. Yeah, as you know, I just used whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever seemed to work with the picture, that, <laughs> that's what we used and played. And not everything was Chinese. I realized that in recording ethnic, ethnic instrumentation, especially the stringed instruments, yeah, you get a lot of bang for the buck if you see the instrument, right? Because yeah. it's this weird looking, you know, cool, obscure thing. And when you don't see it, you don't get the same bang for the buck. So again, I I, I never tried to be specific specific to being authentic as much as I just wanted everything to be exotic yeah. so that our world was an exotic world. So I used a, a, a Turkish saz, which is still used all the time. And we, yeah. again, we, we just went and bought, we literally made a, did a buying spree and just bought a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> and then, and then had to see what would work and whatever that was, that's what we used. Yeah. 
Talking about the the instruments, I'm assuming the answer to this is going to be quite a lot of them because uh, they've had, the the third question was what proportion of the soundtrack was on synthesizer compared to being actual instruments. Whenever we had to use orchestra, as you and I know it to exist, yeah, I had to use synth strings, yeah, and I had to use synth brass, and and I remember using a lot of French horn. Some things I never try and cheat. I never try and cheat trumpets. You know, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. French horns, you can. Kind and cheat okay and strings you can cheat okay so th- th- those are the parts that i had to cheat i always would try as much as i could to overdub live players on top of that right. so that you actually had the sound of human beings playing real instruments mixed in with your synth orchestra yeah yeah that, that, that was the concept it didn't always work out sometimes i just used synth orchestra and it was fine that's the the approach that i always started off with was can i put something on top of this that uses my live guys so that i can just have that your ear kind of goes to it yeah the problem yeah. the problem with with samples is that every attack is the same attack yeah. and as you know from playing trumpet every single note that you play is is the attack Slightly. is different yeah yeah different, that's what yeah. makes it sound human yeah and that th- those are the things you hate to lose yeah so yeah that was kind of you one more question from ny californian and uh this is what is your favorite original soundtrack from a game or a movie? Oh, I don't know the answer to that. That's impossible <laughs> for me to answer for this reason. I like so many things for so many reasons. Yeah. Some of it, had, one, of, one of the f- f- fun parts about writing music to picture is that it's not all just about the music. It's not all about the acting. It's not all, it's, it's about all of those things combined to be part of the storytelling process. Yeah. So whenever you can have the benefit of writing music to really great acting, which is exactly what Firefly was, and really cool looking visuals, and really, then you like things for different reasons. And and I like things for different reasons, because I just like to hear music as part of the storytelling process that we all get to be involved in. It's almost like saying, you know, which which of your children is is your favorite? (laughs) Yeah. You can't have a favorite child. You you understand my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There was a question from uh, Starboy2005. He says, I would like to know the whole story behind the Firefly theme, not... It not only is Firefly my favorite TV show, the theme is my favorite as well. Now, I, that was actually Joss that wrote that, isn't it? Yes, he did. He, he did. I arranged it. Yeah. And, and, and tried to do it in such a way that he could live with it. I'll tell you what his actual vision was. He had an actual vision for this. And again, we, we, we you know, this, this was now when you were in competition with what the studio wanted and the powers yeah. that wanted and what Joss wanted. His vision was to have one single black man sitting on the front porch, rocking in a rocking chair, (laughs) playing a guitar, kind of like Lead Belly or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. He just wanted one single black man singing that song. And the the, the powers that be wanted more of an action cue. And I thought, I wonder what we could do that would, you know, that Joss wouldn't just hate. Yeah. We didn't use like a drum kit or anything. We just used found instruments. Right. You know, so people were playing metal cans and playing playing that kind of. Of course, we had a bass and you know, and we had fiddle and we had guitar, but 
for percussion, we were just using found instrumentation, just trying to make it be interesting and make it be smaller and make it be a little bit different. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, Josh wrote that. And I just tried really hard to, you know, give him as much of his vision as, as I could. I mean, I love that theme. It, it is one of my favorite TV themes. This sort of leads on actually, because um, you actually started off working with somebody who's responsible for, for some of the most famous theme music of all time, because you worked with Mike Post. Yes, I did. Um, I, I, early on, I, I, I was working as a guitar player in town when I first moved here. Yeah. And then I got an opportunity to work for Hanna-Barbera, which is an animation yes, house yes. that did lots awesome. of animation. But I was never there for very long. Uh, and then I moved over to working for Mike. And I worked for, for Mike for, can't remember how long now, but, you know, a number of years. And uh, he taught me many of the things that I now know about the business. And, you know, I'm very thankful that he gave me a shot this was before the hans zimmer days because right. now now everybody is one of hans's elves <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yes i've spoken to a few <laughs> of them yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a whole bunch of them there's a whole team of hans's elves yes uh, but hans didn't exist in my world at that point in time yeah. so mike mike was a place that you could go where he had so many shows yeah. that he needed a team of guys and and that's how I got started. And yeah, he's written a lot of a lot of great themes. Yeah, eighteen Magnum PI, NYPD Blue, Hill Street Blues, Rockford Files. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. It's astonishing. Yeah, it's astonishing. Just, I think I think that's one of the things that he does the very best is you know like think of a theme that really encapsulates the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. and he's All done right. so many different. When Rockford Files was his first big one. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's yeah, a I, great I, thing to. He 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 loved that. He, in fact, he loved when I when I was at school playing playing my trumpet in the school, we had a school kind of concert orchestra, and when I used to play in that, Rock for Files was one of the things we used to Is play. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my, Mike told me that what he was doing, you know, there's a whole long story about how he hooked up with Steve Cannell, you know, who did Rock right. for Files. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it, it's it's too long and involved, but it's very fun. But Mike said, you know, I was literally driving on the freeway one day with, you know, the windows down and we were I was stuck in traffic. I heard Rockford Files playing on somebody's radio. And I said, oh, yeah. How cool is that? Mike had already done a couple of uh, I think his original vision was to be a record producer. Yeah. And he, he, had, he had done a song called Classical Gas by Mason Williams. Right, yeah. And then uh, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in by Kenny Rogers. <laughs> and those were his the, the, those were his uh, records that were r really famous. So the, the TV thing was was not ever something that he specifically aimed for. It's just something that happened. And yeah. I think he's very I think he's very glad that he did it. Uh, I mean, I know he is, but <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, he, he, he didn't aim for it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was just a happy accident. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and I, you know, just an amazing body of work that guy has. It's phenomenal. So, a few final questions. Sure. As we cover a lot of TV shows on the site, well, there are two questions that we always ask everybody. 
One of them is what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I'm a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. And I'm a Luther fan. Yeah. Those are some of my biggies. I'll tell you, in all honesty, I think this is the golden age of television. Yes. Because when I first started, there were like there were only three networks in, in our country. So you either had yeah. a show on one of the three networks or you weren't on TV. Now look at all the fantastic shows that are out there that you, there's just no time to watch because there are so many great shows out there, you know. So, yeah, you, you know, it, it's a great time for TV. It really is. And everybody's everybody's doing quality work. Nobody's doing cheesy because you have to compete against the competition and they're all doing something really cool. There are shows I've never seen that I should binge watch. You know, everybody's told me you got to watch The Wire. I never yeah. really watched Breaking Bad, you know. <laughs> And they said, yes. you're just going to have to binge watch. And my life is such that I, I really don't have an unlimited time just to binge watch TV stuff. Those are some, those are ones that I watch. There's a weird little show called Ballers now. It's about <laughs> It's great. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. addicted to it. One of my co-hosts, Ross, is completely addicted to ballers as well. So he'd be very happy. You, He's you, the one you, that you, I... You, you tell him I'm, I'm right with him there. It's fun. It's fun. And it's it's great TV. He's the one that I just introduced to Firefly as well. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, listen. So there you go. Tell them, we are mutual fans of ballers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, I, that was just a happy accident, you know, yeah. that I saw it. So, and we, but once I saw it, I was hooked. Yeah, and uh, also with no disrespect to the current composer of a show, if you could score any TV show, past, present, or future, something imagined, what would it be? I don't know the answer to that. I don't. I, I I would have to think long and hard about that. But I will tell you this: there's one movie that every time I see it, I wish that I had had the opportunity to score it which is Shawshank Redemption. Ah, yes. Every time it comes on, Tommy Newman killed it. He, it was great. But you just go, this is the kind of acting, this is the kind of storytelling that I would like to be a part of. And wherever I, I can find the opportunity to do that, that's where I got to go now. Because yeah. it's, it's the storytelling that's everything to me. So, the, yeah, again, there's so many different movies that are great for so many different reasons, but that's one that I never cease to be amazed by because I can turn it on and just start watching it yeah. in, the, yeah. in the middle of wherever it is. I've seen it a gazillion times, but I can just start watching it and continue all the way to the end. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal film, that. Absolutely brilliant. A great soundtrack as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on because uh, you know i was very excited when they offered me this because i'm such a huge fan of, of firefly and the music and uh, you know i so i'm so happy you you uh, you could come on and talk for a bit the pleasure is all mine because i never get tired of talking about firefly it's been almost 15 years and i never tire of people who love that show because i love it yeah. every every bit as much today as i did when i first saw it oh well i mean you know now nathan's show has come to an end and joss is not doing marvel movies anymore you may be able to push them back into a room together possibly you know what <laughs> Yeah, stranger things have happened. That that and is strange, true. Stranger things have happened, but I uh, all the possibilities still exist for that show. Yeah, they just they, they just do. I, I I did notice when I was doing the uh, AMA thing on Reddit. So, you know, some people were going, "Yeah, but they're older now, so maybe it should be an animated show." You know, or not not, not animated like a cartoon, but you know, a mocap show. Yeah. Like, 
video games are done. And <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that because you could pick up the story. Yeah, and pick, it, to, pick up the story a bit later. It's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, yeah. You, know, you know, it's just fun to hear. You know, everybody, you know, everybody has different opinions. But I am, I am still every bit a fan of that show. I was just lucky enough to work on it. But I, I am every bit a fanboy. <laughs> I just am. I just am. And I still am. Well, thank you for coming on. Pleasure was all mine. And next time in London, I'll look you up and we'll have uh, have some London pride. Yeah, that would be great. Let's do that. <laughs> cool. All right. Cheers. Thanks today. Bye. Bye-bye. That was the interview with Greg. Hope you enjoyed that. The Firefly soundtrack is available right now and there's an exclusive vinyl version of it. You can get by following the link in the show notes or just Google Firefly soundtrack vinyl and uh, the link will come up. So hope you enjoyed all that. Next up, we have some air dates for you. Air dates this week. We have a couple of cancellations. Alan Carr's chatty man apparently is coming to an end. I am... (laughs) Am I caring about this? <laughs> no. Well, it's apparently got a Christmas special coming this year, but there is no new season of it. Um, it's struggling against the likes of Jonathan Ross and Graham Norton, I think. So yeah. uh, they may be another... They are the big boys, aren't they? Yeah, those are, are the big ones. It's just, just getting... I mean, I thought he... Alan Carr seemed to get a reasonable quality of guests, but it's it's difficult. Chat shows are, are hard work. Yeah, there's anyway. only so many outrageous chat show hosts who wear dodgy suits. You can take them <laughs> exactly. Even. Yeah, so you so. can only take two of those, I think. Yeah, so I think I think that's fine. Halt and Catch Fire they announced today as well. That's uh, runs on Amazon Prime over here. That's been renewed for fourth but final season as well. And on the renewal side, Robot Wars has got a ninth season. Is that coming. ever going to get old? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it went off air for like ten years and came back for it for an eighth season earlier this year. And it's great fun. Really, really good fun. I love the British Robot Wars version, the American BattleBots version as well, which is a slightly different show. But again, great, great fun. Their robots are slightly more interesting, actually, on the BattleBots. Well, yeah, Americans tend to make build it bigger and build it better. Okay, fair enough. I was just wondering if Michael Bay had anything to do with Robot Wars, (laughs) because it's robots smashing each other, and that's a particular chance of Note from the lawyers going, Michael Bay says he owns this. Uh, in terms of changes, uh, frequency, as we mentioned, arrived last night, 10th of October. So that's now running on Netflix and will, I presumably, go out weekly. They didn't say what day, but I'm assuming it's going out weekly after that. <laughs> Another acquisition from a uh, UK network of a US show, one that's been around for a while, actually, Blackish, which has been a huge show in America. It's finally got a UK home on E4. It's starting on the 17th of October at 7.30pm. It's a sitcom about an upper middle class African-American family, pretty much what you'd expect from that sort of sitcom, but it tackles quite a lot of um, black issues and race issues in, in America. It's, it's So it's got... A bit of a subversive edge to it as well it's supposed to be very very good it's one of the highest rated comedies on the network over there i'm just so. thinking fresh prince of Bel-Air, but hey hey no it's 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 supposed to be a lot more subversive than something like that sharper so yeah a lot sharper um Big Bang Theory is back for its 10th season. 10th and, if they can't sort out contracts, possibly final season. Uh, that's coming to E4 on the 19th of October at 8.30. Incredible. 10 seasons. 
I know, it's amazing. If you'd have said, you know, 10 seasons ago, you're going to get this cult following of this comedy about these geeks that sit down and are scientists with one girl and the, no one would have bought into it. <laughs> no. And now no. you're going, this is the funniest thing on TV. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's still hugely popular. I know some people hate it and say it lost its way, but I, I do still find it very funny. Um, it's got much more sitcom than it was in its early days. It's kind of more traditional sitcom these days. But it is still very well written. It's, yes. It's what I'm very America, well played. Yeah. It's well made. It's what America does best. It's exactly what those sort of Chuck Lorre comedies are, are exactly the sort of thing that, that they do really well. It may be back for another season. We don't know yet. They've got to sort out cast fees and that sort of thing. As I think it was... Jimmy Kimmel or some one of the one of the late night presenters asked Kelly Cuoco, "Are you coming back for another season, or is this the last?" Her reply was, "That's a very expensive question." <laughs> <laughs> How much are they getting per episode? These guys? Uh, I, well, some of them it, it balances out at around about a million an episode for every wow. each one of them, and they are now five or six lead casts. So you're talking about spending five or six million just on the lead casts. Yeah. You've then got all the sets, the production itself, the writing, you know, whatever fees that they take off the time. I Absolutely. mean, you, you could be easily talking 10 million an episode. So I just hope, because they've had so much money now, those guys don't really need to work anymore. I would really hope that they carried on doing it for the fun of it rather than just doing it for the money. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I I suspect not, but, you know. <laughs> Would you do it for a million an episode? Or go on then. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. There is a new comedy coming on the 19th uh, as well. This is uh, actually, this is interesting because this is coming on the 19th at 9pm, so it's running directly after Big Bang Theory. So it's got Big Bang as its leading. Wow. Which shows you the amount of confidence they're putting in the show. It's called Crazy Head. I think we've mentioned it a few times before. It's from Howard Overman, who is the guy that wrote Misfits, the TV show, okay. which was about uh, the bunch of super-powered people who were on um, remand and were kind of clearing up, having to clear up litter and they all get hit with superpowers. So there is is that show. Uh, it's described a bit as Misfits meets Buffy with a very British twist. So it's about two girls who end up becoming the duo of demon hunters. It's got Cara Threbold, who was in Downton Abbey in it. It's got Susan Wakoma in it, who was in Chewing Gum. It's backed by Netflix as well. So internationally, after it goes out on E4 over here, it will go out internationally on Netflix. Oh, wow. So that's getting quite a support. So it is getting a lot of support. It's really going to be one to watch, I think. It looks like it could be very, very good. One to watch out for, 19th of October at 9pm, straight after Big Bang Theory. That will be one to watch. QI Season N, that's coming back on the 21st of October at 10pm. With new host Sandy Toxvig. With new host Sandy Toxvig, yes. That's one to look out for. I think we had that at a different date last week, but they seem to have moved it, so... Uh, Humans, as we mentioned earlier on, that's back on the 30th of October at 9pm. That looks like it's going to be really good. Conviction. This was another US pickup. It stars Hayley Atwell, who was in Agent Carter. Yep, yep. She stars as the daughter of a former president and he's blackmailed into becoming the head of the LA's Conviction Integrity Unit because she's a lawyer. Um, she's somewhat of a wayward child. She gets, I think it's coke possession they get her on. And uh, as a way of kind of sweeping that under the carpet and trying to keep her in place on the straight and narrow, they give her this job to do, yep. uh, which is, is basically taking convictions <clears throat> that look like they could possibly be overturned and 
digging through them and see if I can overturn them. Okay. So that's the basic premise of it. Met with fairly mixed receptions in the US, so I'm hoping it picks up for her because, you know, it would be nice if... I I think Hayley Atwell's a great actress. I think she's just looking for the right thing. Yes. At the moment. She needs a vehicle for her. Yeah, needs the right vehicle. Uh, 2nd of November, looks like that's arriving on Sky Living. So that could be one to watch out for. Code Black, medical drama about an ER in LA. That's coming back on the 2nd of November on W, the channel formerly known as Watch but for some reason they shortened it to W. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) For those that can't read good (laughs) and Uh, stuff. (laughs) 2nd of November at 9pm, that is. DC's Legend of Tomorrow. This is one of the, out of the four shows, we had air dates for the others. This one we didn't have a date for, and it is for the reason that I thought it probably was, was we were given the advance lists for October, and all the other shows are coming back at the end of October. Legends of Tomorrow is coming back a week after everything else. And uh, that's going to be coming on the 3rd of November at 8pm. Uh, I think that's the Thursday. So we've got Supergirl Monday, Flash Tuesday, Arrow Wednesday, Legends on Thursday. Jesus. Looks like it's going to be great as well. Fantasy science fiction fests. Yes, definitely. Superhero stuff. And finally, Atlanta season one, that's coming to Fox UK on the 5th of November. It's a half hour comedy series starring and created by community's Donald Glover, who is son of Danny Glover. Yes. Next week on TV, we have uh, The Missing, which is coming back for a second season. That starts on 12th of October at 9pm on BBC One. Ripper Street season five of that, that's coming to Amazon Prime on 12th of October. Uh, Zapped, which is a new TV series starring James Buckley from The Inbetweeners. He plays Brian, an online data marketing assistant who gets transported to a parallel world full of warriors, soothsayers and wizards. Uh, That's starting (laughs) on the 13th of October at 9.40, apparently that's arriving. Crossing Line Season 3, that starts on the 13th at 9pm. I believe this version, this season of Crossing Lines basically chucked out the entire cast from the first two seasons, and he's basically the same show, but with a completely different cast. Yeah. Like You're all fired. It's <coughs> yeah, really shop with new staff. No one will notice. Yeah. yeah. Bizarre, but there you go. We've done it for one character. We've never done it for an entire cast. Let's try it. It's very strange. Scream Queens, second season of that, which is the horror comedy from Ryan Murphy, the creator of Glee and American Horror. Cool. So that's coming back to E4 on the 13th at 10pm. There is a Harry Hill has a new show called Harry Hill's Tea Time, which is a part chat show, part spoof cookery show. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> sounds as kind of what you'd expect from Harry Hill in all honesty it's bizarre it's a spoof cookery show and chat show yes and chat show uh, coming to Sky One on the 16th of October at 6pm uh, that is Yonderland follows that that's at 6.30 on the 16th which is back for its third season which is the story of Debbie Maddox, a 33-year-old mother who is discovered she's basically the chosen one and is uh, brought through to the world of Yonderland by an elf that lives in her cupboard. It's <laughs> <laughs> a brilliant puppetry. It's a fantastically funny series. Uh, it's got um, Stephen Fry in this series. There's a new character called Cuddly Dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so well looking forward to that Law and Order SVU is back for its 18th season on the Universal Channel that's on the 16th of October at 10pm Blackish as we mentioned earlier 17th of October at 7.30 that's arriving and Criminal Minds season 12 comes back to Sky Living on the 17th of October at 9pm that's everything for this week good gods <laughs> so if you want to find out more information throughout the week if you want to find out news we post loads of news stories you can come on to geektown.co.uk and get and also get the latest air date info if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk you can leave us a message on this website post you can find us at geektown on twitter or on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown or on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown or on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see See you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.